Hey there, welcome to the Stormwater World Podcast. After 10 years in the stormwater industry, I feel like I've only scratched the surface of all there is to learn. I believe there are a lot of people just like me who are curious, but we're all just so busy. So I'm going to ask the questions so we can get the answers together. My name is Ty Garman, and I'm your host. Join me as we learn about what is happening in the stormwater world. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Stormwater World Podcast. I'm excited to have a friend of mine here, uh, Mark Wharton. He's president of Stormwater Professionals Group out of Houston, Texas, which is awesome for me. I live right down the street from him, basically, in, in Texas terms. I actually live a couple hours away, uh, but uh, that's Texas, right? And so today we're going to talk about stormwater in Texas. Uh, specifically some things going on in Houston, and then we're going to travel over to San Antonio and Austin and get Mark's uh, perspective on a lot of things, uh, Texas stormwater. So, Mark, welcome to the show. Appreciate you being here. Well, thanks, Ty. I just want to say thanks uh, for inviting me on, and uh, yeah, I'm kind of excited. Uh, it, I do a lot of lunch and learns, brown bags, and uh, and, and conferences, uh, but uh, yeah, this is a great opportunity to talk to somebody who has a, a little bit of knowledge. Most of the people I'm talking to have absolutely no understanding of this. And so it's cool to actually, you know, get to talk to somebody about some things that are really happening uh, in Texas and how that affects us all. Yeah, yeah. And the gloves are off here, man. Like this is also you know, a podcast. I'm hoping this could be a casual, casual conversation. I'm get you get you to say some crazy controversial things uh, as your opinion in the stormwater. And uh, you can edit that out, people, right? <laughs> see if people agree or disagree with it so uh yeah i could I, well yeah we could edit whatever i'm okay with that too but, okay with that. <laughs> but yeah see see I, I know people you don't care if people, what people think so uh, no no and all joking aside uh let, let, let's uh let's start out with uh with you with you and the company tell us a little bit more about yourself your background and uh and what stormwater professional group provides in the in the houston market well, that that depends on who you ask. I guess if you ask the the uh, one of the gentlemen from the city, <laughs> one of the engineers from the city, used he says, "What's your background?" And I said, "My music. I'm a music major from UCLA." He says, "Oh, you're, you're a creative." Absolutely, I t I actually found that to be um, a compliment. Really, I don't think it was from his point of view. But yes, I'm a creative. That's what I do. Uh, yeah, my background's in music, but so what? Uh, whose background is really in stormwater quality anyway, right? Uh, or, or anything that people do, they usually go to school and then find something else that they Absolutely. really enjoy. And so that's you know kind of what happened to me. I moved to Texas 20 years ago, and I kind of you know just dumb luck fell into this industry. Uh, my next door neighbor buddy had a um, he was looking for somebody to replace him because he wanted to move into a project management role, and he was an inspector, a stormwater inspector. So he was inspecting SWIP, you know, during construction. That's what the company that I worked for did. And so I came on board having no knowledge, just having a background or maybe a cursory knowledge of, of construction techniques and things like that. You know, I'm, I, I'm kind of a hands-on guy, always playing with my hands moving. But um, so I went and worked for a company and, and learned all about all things SWIP. And this was, this was almost uh, 17, 18 years ago when that was brand new in Texas. So we were really, it was really infancy of stormwater quality. And so I learned everything about SWIP and, and that, you know, at that company and then moved into some post-construction post stormwater quality, we decided to start a division on SWQMP specifically. And that was uh, baptism by fire. Uh, the, the owner of the company really didn't have much knowledge. Nobody did really, none of us did, uh, about what that meant and what it really entailed. 
And so I had to go out and I still have my, uh, some notes that I took, which are some really ridiculous to today seem ridiculous. The questions that I asked, like, you know, how, how do you clean out a, you know, end pipe treatment system, hydro ion separator? How often do you want those clean? You know, silly questions that today it's, you know, it seems like that, but at the time, I, I think even the gentlemen that I was speaking with, uh, both from uh, City of Houston, Harris County, they were, I think they were just as, as kind of lost about you know what the next steps were for this uh, for this industry as well. And it's grown huge since that. And so about six years ago, I, I I left and almost seven now, I left and started my own company. And we just do stormwater quality post construction. Uh, so we do inspections and maintenance and repair. And this has to do with detention ponds, hydrodynamic separators. We also sell a couple product lines uh, and underground detention being one of them. So we're, we're kind of all around in that in that stormwater quality uh, world. Houston, Harris well, County. So you really kind of it kind of puts you kind of puts you in some rare air, honestly. Like even though you don't have a background per se in you know you're not a a civil engineer. And don't don't get me wrong. Like I I I'm surrounded by engineers all the time. My wife's a PE, so I know what that's like to have somebody you know ask you about uh, whether or not you know what's your what's your background. Uh, but, but we don't want to industry for twenty plus years. So right. So like that that says that says a lot yeah. for. Uh, and you know we don't want to offend the civil engineer, but <laughs> I well, but say this. But no. But you know what the reality is. I is that I get calls constantly. Uh, from civil engineers asking us how how to skin that cat, right? How to provide stronger quality, how sure, what the best sure. and, and obviously our 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 end goal is really and and even though engineers are our customers, civil engineers, we do a lot of consulting with civil engineers, our user, our end user is really our customer, right? We, I have to look at his uh needs and not necessarily engineers, because to be candid, I've had conversations with engineers that, you know, that went something like this. What do you what are you looking for in in stronger quality you know products? What, what what are you guys looking for? And the answer is always the same: whatever's the easiest, right? Whatever's the, the easiest, cheapest, cheapest. I don't know that I agree with that because, and and I think fortunately we have the ability to to think about the owner because we hang out with the owners more than we do with the civil engineers, right? We we are permitting their properties, we're cleaning them out, we're inspecting them monthly, and so. We have a really solid relationship with these owners. And so I find it um, critical, uh, or maybe that's not the right word, but I, f I find that it's, it's for, for our, uh, you know, for, for our comfort that we make sure that we take care of them, really, that we, that we provide a system that's, you know, lower cost of maintenance, lower install cost, and lower uh, upfront purchase cost. If we can do those three things, then I think we're winning, you know, and, and, we're, and we're showing value. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, well, let's talk about Houston then. So I, I thought it was interesting in talking to you off, you know, before, before we press the record button, just about um, what's going on there on the residential side that now in Houston and, and of course, maybe it's my own ignorance. I don't know. That's it. I don't think this is going on nationally uh, by any means, but, uh, but that in Houston, they are going to require now on, on, on the residential side, they're going to require detention. Like if you go to uh, if you go to do some sort of remodeling, put in a pool, et cetera, et cetera, right. or new builds, whatnot, that you're actually uh, going to have to require detention. Can you kind of explain that and what how that's going to affect? This has become a big deal. These builders, the the me as a homeowner, even though I don't live in Houston, you you as a homeowner, you live in Houston or in the Houston area. 
So I, I think we have to preface this by understanding that the clientele we're talking about here, uh, this is in the city of Houston, right? So this is within city limits. So most properties that are within city limits are fairly high value properties, right? Especially residential ones. And so the, the customers we're talking about are those that, that are fairly wealthy, right? And so they're buying, say, a property that was that's an older property that has a, you know, a a house that needs to be raised and, and we're going to, we're going to build a new castle, you know, these giant four story, you know, multi-million dollar, million dollars. Obviously that, that client wants a pool in the backyard that, you know, they want everything to be beautiful and they only have say a half an acre, you know, a quarter of an acre. They don't have a lot of space. The space is, you know, because property, uh, your real estate's at a premium in the city. And so you're talking about, let's say a half an acre site, uh, you know, in the, in the past, uh, if you're you know disturbing uh, less than seventy, we, actually today, if you're disturbing less than seventy five hundred square feet, which is pretty tough to do because you know you're going to have to disturb the whole site really to to get a house on there and parking and you know this is going to re- not require if it's under seventy five, it's not going to require any kind of attention. But if you're disturbing more than sixty five percent of a seventy five hundred square foot lot, which is not hard to do, uh, you'll have to provide 0.75 acre feet of detention per acre that previous rate was 0.2 so it's almost four times the amount of detention and so in the past you know with 0.2 you can usually get that you know you can maybe put some swales on the property or even a small cistern uh, above ground cistern you know something like that you can usually catch that 0.2 but now it's very difficult and so really the only way that we see that's viable is underground is to go underground and it's, 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 that's expensive. So, so a lot of deals are dying on the vine because of that. And so, um, you know, we're, we're trying to help kind of provide that, um, that kind of a service. There's also another facet to that. And that's there, uh, this, and by the way, this, these, these regulations came out of here. So they, they're, I'm not going to say, is this, is this something that, yeah, but is this something that's kind of, is this, is this all from Harvey? Is this all kind of reaction? From, yeah. To, yeah. You know, the, uh, the jerk reaction I think from Harvey is to, is to, provide, you know, require more detention, uh, more, um, there, there's certainly several areas that have been dedicated and you know, big projects, you know, high, high, uh, high profile projects in Houston, uh, that are being dedicated as, uh, as, 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 you know, uh, detention areas, you know, so there's, there's a couple, couple of those. And so, um, yeah, this is all really based on harvest. So the date makes sense, right? March of uh, 21 is when this really came into effect. Now combine that with what's also what's going on right now, which is just a, about a month ago, uh, the city of Houston kind of finalized their low impact. They're really driving the city of Houston low impact development, uh, which is great. Oh, yeah. Hey, before we jump into the low impact too, just for anybody that may not know, I mean, of course, we live in Texas, so it's, it's always, it's prevalent to us, but 2016... Hurricane Harvey hit Houston, and, and and to give you the magnitude, I think it dumped. I want to say something like sixty-eight inches of water on the city in a forty-eight hour period. I mean, it's a ridiculous amount of water in a very, very short amount of time um, that nothing could have stopped. Like no designing, like you don't design for a thousand-year storm, right? So, so that happened, and then so a lot of things have come since then, uh, and that's what we're talking about now. And and then I just want to kind of close that loop there. But uh, yeah. go ahead, what you're saying about the the kind of the the low impact development side of things? Well, to piggyback off of that, we also, before Harvey, just for anybody that doesn't know, in Houston, we also had two 500-year rain events in two months, 
two, three months. Yeah, we had a couple 500-year rain events that were um, pretty significant, obviously, 500-year rain events. I know in my neighborhood, we lost a lot of oak trees because they just the roots get saturated and they just fall over. Um, my wife lost a car in that event, in one of those 500-year events. So, yeah, it's it's it was pretty significant. I think it was just, you know, not just the one 500-year event or the one Harvey. It was the culmination of all these storms in such a short period of time. I think within two years, we had all three of those storms happen. And, uh, yeah, it, it put the spotlight on on where we're going to put this water. Now, like Kai said, the amount of water that came down, I don't think any, I don't think there is a pond big enough to detain that amount of water. But um, what the city is doing and the county is doing, uh, Harris County and City of Houston, is helping alleviate those low-lying areas, those low-lying residential areas, older residential areas that um, that need some relief. And and they're getting that relief by these, these detention bases that are being installed and uh, a lot of them are wetlands, which is really kind of cool, too, because it gives uh, parks and, and recreation areas for, for the people who live around there. So, yeah, it, it's a really cool deal. Now, what's going on now, though, with um, with low impact is that's the kind of the next push, right? Is Harris County, City of Houston, they all really would like that low impact. In my experience, uh, commercial, uh, light industrial, industrial, they just, it's just not even a reality for them yet, right? But um for these single families, one of the one of the key drivers of this program is some um, reimbursement for capital costs. So if you use low impact, I'll give you an example. Uh, we have a property that we're looking at right now. It's a it's a it's a, a, a pie shaped kind of lot, and the reality is is you know this is in city of Houston. They want to put uh, you know fancy house on there. Obviously, the owner wants a pool in the backyard and all this fun stuff. Uh, well. The detention rate that they're required, this 0.75 acres, is really going to kill them in costs. Uh, the only way to really do this is to go underground, and so we're looking at you know an underground system, uh, but that doesn't provide any low impact. That's just an underground detention system. Combine that though with maybe a paver, a porous paver system, um, even. In this type of, in this instance, the owner wants to reclaim that water for drinking water, not just gray water, but yeah, like treat it. For they're, going, they're going all, they're going all out. They're going all out. Oh yeah, that's a little. Well, this uh, is a departmental attorney, so she's she's uh, damn, that, that's a that's above and beyond, right? Okay, right. I think so. And so in this case, though, um, if you if you have the, some low impact techniques going on here, you can get those costs reimbursed and so offset some of the cost of construction. So they're tr the city of Houston is trying to make it, uh, incentivize it a little bit, but it is a, it, there's a lot of hoops jumped through to get that. A lot of people. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So do you see a lot of that push uh, on other areas from the gray to green, from gray to green infrastructure? Never. So seen. Is it, is it, is it affecting your business or are you I, I, doing anything? I, to... I think it's a good, I, I think in the future we're going to need it. You know, we're it's, yeah. it, because water is going to come at a premium, especially if you have, say, you're in the city and you don't have a well, which I'm, most of these houses don't have a well. They're fed by city water and you're, sure. you know, subject to whatever that cost is. And that's an ever increasing cost. Uh, I think I read an article. It was probably had to be 10 years ago. It's a long title, right? And it was T. Boone Pickett saying water is the next oil. And he was absolutely right. Water is is, is going to be the next one, and you know, for yeah. I mean, we won't need oil anymore. I'm... Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's a whole other that's a whole other broadcaster. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. So before I got in this industry, I just did, I didn't even realize the commodity that water was like pumping it here to there and the industries and people keep a water on reserve and the amount they pay to some of these organizations um, just to have access to water, not to even use it, not to even take it into their plant per se, but just to actually have access to the water. That's pretty well, you see recently, I think in California, they realized that, that, you know, they realized it for a long time, but they're running, they're going to run out. They really are going to run out. If things don't change, so, um, you know, I suspect in the future desalinization at whatever cost. The only option, really, that's kind of kind of scary thought, really. But uh, yes. but uh, uh, so let's take Houston. So I know you, you know Houston inside and out, um, and let's compare it now. Like I, I told everybody when we started that we're going to take a little road trip. So let's, you know, yeah. the stormwater. Here's a, here, here's the thing about stormwater as as I see it, in my limited knowledge really is, and what makes it so difficult is because of the nuances from not just EPA region to region, the state to state, even down to city to city, just because of the geographic differences. And I'm not even talking about interpretation of regulation. I'm just talking literally because the ground, the ground, the way it rains, the terrain, it's just so different everywhere. And that's the same here in Texas. So, uh, and, and the way people look at their program or how all those different things just become very nuanced and makes no matter um, a lot more difficult than I would think it would be, right? Like, you know, in wastewater, you you know, we've got that one figured out. Flush the toilet goes away. Nobody thinks about it. Uh, stormwater still 10 years in, and I tell people what industry I'm in, and they're just like, why? Like, what? Like, they don't get it. They, don't, they just assume, I think, a lot of times that the water goes down, it goes in the drain, and then it, it's all fine and good, and everything's great. They don't they don't have a clue. Um, so compare it. Like, so how does Houston compared to a Dallas market or to a San Antonio uh, market in terms of program and approach and, and the things yeah. that you're seeing. Well, you know, kind of to, to piggyback off what you said, you know, um, stormwater being in its infancy and having, you know, this, the, the geographical area that's you know, huge. I mean, we live in Texas where, you know, we have huge differences between in the terrain, right? Um, in Houston, we have mostly clay and some sandy soils, but mostly clay. Uh, Austin and San Antonio, it's stone. It's all rock there. And so uh, big differences in the way you manage stormwater quality and the way you manage drainage in general. Uh, in city of Houston, though, and this is a lot of people, especially if you're not from Texas or you're not from specifically Houston, think that we're in the Wild West, right? That this is an oil town, that that's all it is. And that's all it'll ever be is an oil town. Um, well, the reality is, is it's much more diverse than that. And and in, in stormwater quality, city of Houston, Harris County, I think they're front, front runners, specifically in Texas. But, you know, they're they're right up there with what's going on in, say, California and, and you know, the East Coast and Puget Sound area. Those, those places have much more intense requirements, right? They want to capture more particulate and so on and so forth. But here, um, we have a monthly inspection requirement that they don't have anywhere else in Texas. And in a lot of places in the country, they don't require a monthly inspection of your, this is a post-construction feature, right? So this right. is, for, for I think for the audience, maybe uh, detention pond is the easiest one to, to kind of visualize, right? So you've got a detention pond in the back of your commercial property or your school or apartment building, you know, and, and that pond is usually in the back, right? Because it's it doesn't generate any income. It's not a water feature. It's a, it's a dry pond between rain events. And then it fills up with water and it pays out. Well, that thing, you know, 
needs to be inspected monthly in the city of Houston, Harris County, by the owner. It needs to be permitted annually by a licensed PE. So there's some some third party, right, um, involved in that process that actually puts some skin in the gate. Uh, the owner also has to sign a couple of forms, one of them being an affidavit that says that they promise that this feature, whatever the feature may be, has 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 been um, maintained properly according to there's a stormwater quality management plan which is if you if you know anything about SWIP which I think at this point anybody that's tuning in here probably knows what SWIP is sure, um, sure. The, the 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 whole idea for SWIP is to limit to a practical extent the discharge of silt sediment and other pollutants into the waterway into the MS4 right well the good news about SWIP is is it's it starts at the top it starts at the with the EPA. And they mandate SWIP all the way down to the local level, right? And so then uh, the Harris County, City of Houston are required then to kind of manage those programs. The good news is, is they're across the board from top to bottom, the same exact program, right? So you have to keep the silt and sediment out of the MS4. That's it. How you do it is, you know, whatever, however you want to do it. Like if you want to use silt fence or you want to use hay bales, whatever. As long as the silt and sediment and the pollutants don't get out into the street, out into the MS4. Sort of quality is a little different. You've got, you know, some requirements that are all over the board. In in Houston and Harris County, you can use hydrodynamic separators. You can use standard detention ponds with a trash screen over the outfall. And so um, in Harris County and the city of Houston, these guys are requiring people to actually do some, some things to maintain their properties. Uh, we go kind of back and forth whenever uh, the, Harris County specifically has a, a, new, a new permitting person who will say, hey, we want our disposal manifest for, you know, for an end of pipe, you know, vortex or hydrodynamic separator. And, you know, we, we may not have one because we may not have needed to clean it. Um, but they're, they're on the ball. They want, they want to know why, 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 why. It's not like that ever. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, what do you see? Like, what do you see in those, those other markets to where there's, I don't know, where there's, there's opportunity. Is there opportunity for, I don't know improvement, or are you are you looking to actively expand your your business there because of how they approach it, or does it just make it harder to 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 maneuver in that market to where it's not not necessarily worth trying to expand what you're? No, doing? we're always looking to challenge, of course. You know? <laughs> and so the challenge really is this. I'll tell you, in, in, so so let me compare then City of Houston to maybe Austin and San Antonio. Those programs have been around for a long time as well. They're pretty staff, pretty well established. The difference is, is that, and and, and I spend a lot of time at uh, conferences and speaking with new MS4. So we have phase one and phase two, right? We have the phase one MS4 have been around for I think we were talking about this, yeah, twenty, yeah, 20 you know, over twenty years now, nineteen ninety, yeah, yeah. yeah right. So these are you know communities over a hundred thousand that were mandated to come right. in with a body post construction program, and. This is almost the same time as SWIP, so inundated with a lot of uh, a lot of requirements that you know nobody had funding for that, and so SWIP became more important. Uh, but in in Austin and San Antonio, uh, they decided that because of their terrain, because they have a lot of uh, stone, the best approach might be, especially when we have we have an aquifer, and you know not all of Austin and San Antonio sit over the Edward, Edwards Aquifer, but parts of it and do. And so they're very, very protective about that aquifer that provides drinking water for those communities. And so um, they they decided that maybe sand filtration was the way to go. And so you can go to Austin and San Antonio in that region that, that, we, that we call the hill country. And you can find 
tons and tons of these uh, these these units, which are basically a concrete structure that's built, usually in the back of the property. Again, out of sight, out of mind. It's not generating income. We don't want to see it. It's not a pretty thing. It's a concrete slope, you know, straight up and down concrete box, big, you know, you know, sometimes in, you know, 100 by 300 feet, you know, some smaller, some bigger. And these systems work much like if you know anything about fish tanks, aquariums, sand filters, been around for a long time. It's very effective. It's very effective at filtering out things. The problem with sand filtration is it does need maintenance. For some reason, and and the difference being from Austin and San Antonio area to, or the Hill Country to Houston is, is Houston requires these inspections that I talked about in this permitting and so on and so forth. This is all required by the owner. The owner has to, has to provide these things. So whether he uses a third party like us or whether he does it himself, which is pretty difficult, um, because just because they don't have the knowledge, right? Um, you got to do it. Where in Austin and San Antonio, they decided when they started their programs, hey, let's not really put the onus. I mean, we'll put the onus of maintenance on, and the burden on on the owners, of course. But um, our inspection process, our our management of this is going to be about every three or four years, we're going to go look at each site. We're going to make it out to every single one of these every three or four years. And we're going to give the, you know, the owner a report. And typically that includes a violation because if you think about it. It's three, three or four years too long. I, my customers, if I, a lot of, a lot, and you'd be surprised at how many times I'll call up or, or we'll call up on a potential customer or someone will call in or whatever. And typically if they call in, they know they have something because they maybe have gotten the notice from the county or the city. But a lot of times when we're calling on people, they don't even know they have storm right? And that's in Houston and Harris County where you have a bunch of requirements. Think about if you move out to Austin, San Antonio area where, you just see the the you know the TCQ, that's the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality. They're the equivalent of the EPA in Texas, right? You you may, they may come out once every three or four years and inspect it, and they're always going to find a violation because these things aren't supposed to have vegetation growing in or trees and so on and so forth. But these owners aren't paying attention. They're just not paying attention to it. Most of the time, they don't even know it's there. They don't really know how it functions, and they don't know that it's not supposed to have vegetation in it. And so when they come out and do and violate them, it's usually we want to see the underdrain. So now you have to rip out all the sand, dispose of it properly. It's, it's classified as a hazardous type of waste. So it has to be disposed of properly with a paper chain. And then you also have to um, replace that with a specific sand that, that's approved by the city or the county. So it's, uh, it's much more uh, hands-off, I guess, on the owner's part. But I don't know why. You know, it, 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 really, it really does. There's really no, not a lot of compliance in that realm. Gotcha. So uh, on that thought, thought, and then and then we'll we'll kind of wrap up because it just I'm, I'm wondering for somebody that does inspections, right? You do inspections. You also offer stormwater quality uh, device, devices, treatment train, uh, sure. uh, stuff like that. Do you feel like the? I, I guess I don't know if it's the right term. Or the you know maintenance always feels like to me maintenance and all this stuff is just seems feels like um, you know the hidden cost, right? The hidden cost, the cost after the cost. They only go like on. And I feel like maybe uh, for a lot of these owners that it's really on the front end when these things are being presented to them, that maybe that cost is either not disclosed well or like for somebody, some of the, a lot of these companies, they do not also do inspections. They don't also follow up behind it. Like, so do you feel like it hurts you sometimes when you're in these 
very competitive bid situations and you know like hey you're gonna put this in and you're gonna have to inspect it and this other guy like i guess you have to really line item that out and look and say look like i'm telling you the truth like here's the whole here's the whole picture right like do you ever feel like there's like 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 a disconnect there that hurts these owners kind of like what you the disconnect is huge and the reason is is we have this uniqueness in that in that we started as a maintenance company really right um but then we also build these storm quality management plans for engineers and they want to know what products to use and so i have to go out to find the right products for them right and so being a maintenance guy though i started the back end right i started the maintenance and what the cost of ownership is not just the initial cost and this is this is where you'll see and i see it all the time where you'll see developers like a company like let's just uh, i'm going to use prologis because there's a giant company right there a giant property or but they have a development arm right and then they have a property ownership arm i'm not sure if prologis does or not but we'll just use this as an example because a lot of these development companies have you know they have a they they hold their properties so they have a management team that they have to you know you understand how this works they go and, and to the management team and say here's our price per square foot here's what we think the market can can uh can garner and then they'll go to the leasing team and to the management team and say, this is the cost of, of, you know, this is what our projected costs are for construction and so on and so forth. Well, the, manage, the, the management team is usually not involved in that. It's usually just the, the main, I mean, I'm sorry, the, uh, the development team and the leasing team. And so the management teams, they're kind of like the bastard stepchildren. They're always left in the dark on these things. And it's, it, it's upon them, it's incumbent upon them to, come up with a plan for maintenance and, and a budget that was never even projected. And so what I do is I give my engineers, if if they're looking for it, well, we do it anyway, but they don't always ask for it, a five-year cost of ownership, 10-year. You know, and we'll ask the question, is yeah. this a flip? Is this somebody just building a flip? If it is, maybe we use the, the lo lowest cost system. And, uh, and I hate to say this, but, you know, damn the, the expense of maintenance. Uh, if it's headquarters, if it's our home office, well, let's let's get you the best system at the best price with the cheapest maintenance burden, right? Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, before we wrap but, up, but, let me. Um, yep. Let me say. Yep, one, yep, let me say yep. one more thing. No. Go, go ahead. The problem that our competitors have is that they don't. So they, they're they're salesmen, right? They have they have salesmen, and, right. and I'm sure they're great at what they do. Obviously, they're selling products, but um, but they don't know anything about maintenance because they never actually did any maintenance, right? They're salesmen. And so if I hire a salesman, he's going to go out there, she is going to go out there and look at the systems and understand and watch clean outs and, you know, watch upon remodel and so on and so forth so that they understand the pain that the owner has to go through <laughs> and how to be empathetic, right? And how to manage that. I got that. Makes sense. Well, hey, before we, before we wrap up, I, I want everybody to be able to find you. Um, I know you're not a big social media guy. So the best way to find, uh, Mark, if you have questions for it, would be to send him an email, I'm assuming, which would be at, uh, M Wharton. That's M is in Mark Wharton, W-H-A-R-T-O-N at S-W-P-G-R-P.com. That's stormwaterprofessionalsgroup.com. That's, uh, Mark's email address. So if you have any questions for him, uh, regarding stormwater and water quality in Texas, go ahead and feel free to to shoot him an email. I'm sure he'd be happy to to visit with you on anything that you might uh, might need or ask questions on. And then the next uh, time I guess we'll talk just, about Dallas. We'll talk about Dallas. Well, we need another guest. Thought? Oh, 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 
Well, right? no, you hear all those? Okay, all you people out there in Dallas, there's. I just gave you his email address, so. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, give the, I'll give you the teaser. So, so we oh, have here we go. Harris County and City of Houston, we have really two operative MS forks, right? So you have two entities to deal with who have their own little nuances, and so that's okay. In Austin and San Antonio, you have, you know, four or five. You got San Marcos and Broncos, Austin, San Antonio, and, you know, maybe uh, Green. But uh, in Dallas, you've got 50-something, I think you count last count, 53-plus MS4s. Some Phase 1, mostly Phase 2, all developing storm audio post-construction programs all over the board. So that, I mean, we could probably spend several hours. And it's and it's booming there, and the and it's just more and more people every every every, every day. Like blow it up over there. If you if you want if you, if you want to know, just look at the city. Look up the city of Frisco on Google. I think it's the fastest growing city in America. Yeah, definitely, definitely. We de you definitely can come back and you can give us all your thoughts on uh, on the Dallas Stormwater. I'm sure, you want that? Um, <laughs> yeah, a absolutely. I, I don't yeah. know if the people in Dallas do, but I I would love to hear it. Mark, no, you know, to be in all this. What's that? This is because everybody, I think Dallas, they're just as confused as, as could be about that. I mean, the engineers, think about it. As a civil engineer, you have to manage 50 plus different, the nuances, right? It's the nuances that, you know. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. The ideas, you know, across the, across the board is fairly, you know, static, but the way that they manage it. Sure. And then I think at the same time, don't you, don't we need to put, uh, put TxDOT through there too? I mean, they've got a, they've got their own thing that they've got to do. Uh, required yep. through each one of the MS4s, and they, oh, absolutely. So yeah, there's there's a lot of really there's a lot of push, push of yeah. yeah, that's a whole yeah. That also is another uh, another podcast in and of itself. Absolutely. But hey, I really appreciate you being on the podcast. Um, thank you so much, and uh, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you. We'll we'll talk to you soon, man. All right, thanks for having me. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Stormwater World Podcast. Do you have something you'd like to discuss? Do you have an opposing opinion regarding something you heard during this episode? Let's talk about it. Click on the link in the show notes to sign up for a future episode. I'd love to visit with you about what's happening and how you see things unfolding in your stormwater world.